0: Hi. Welcome to another episode of The Consulting Trap. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. I am joined today by Jay Gordon. Welcome, Jay. Hey, good morning, Brian. How are you? Well, thank you so much. Um, so, uh, Jay, you're with YourCMO.com, and I'd love to hear more about kind of uh, how you got started with that and, and what you're doing
1: in that space. Sure. Uh, So your CMO, we are a team of fractional chief marketing officers. We go into companies and help them really craft marketing uh, plans, uh, the strategy, and the go-to-market execution. Uh, um, in terms of helping them grow and so a lot of companies jump to just the advertising approach and and we take a step back and really look at their offering their price strategy their buyers uh you know the sales alignment and, and just a bigger picture look and then really help them execute it so just we're a member of their team and uh and help them grow so
0: in your in your sort of travels are there recurring themes that your clients aren't getting right uh, stuff that, or the, or the initial clients, the folks that are about to buy your services, uh, they're consistently making the same mistakes over and over. What are the recurring themes there? Uh,
1: the number one recurring theme is they don't understand their buyer as much as they think they do. They, uh, you know, they'd say they know, but they really don't. And when we dig in and start doing research and talking to buyers, we understand their triggers uh, uh, much better. What What triggers the need for their service or product? how do they go about finding information? How do they compare product? How do they compare like options? And so it really helps shift not only potentially product or price strategy, but also positioning. Uh, and in many cases, companies are just not speaking to their target audience uh, the way the audience is expecting to, uh, you know, to be talked to.
0: So, you you say that the the your buyers don't know their audience or their their mm. their prospects as well as they think they do. What mm. so so how would um, what would be like a, a a trigger or an indicator that like you don't know your client as well as you think you do? What were the kind of things that they would say versus what you would say maybe about their prospect? Um, mm. What 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 insight would you have that's different?
1: Yeah, so the one of the first indications is uh that they've never talked to them <laughs> outside of just the casual conversation as clients. Uh two that they're not seeing the performance, whether it's through the sales channels or even the marketing advertising paid or or you know, owned or earned media channels. And they're not seeing that type of performance. And so we go back to the beginning, and when we ask clients, you know, what triggers the need for your client? Um, they can't talk about it deep enough, and that is another red flag. They also don't think about clients segmented enough. Uh, and so um, there's many people involved, especially in the B2B world, uh, into the buying decision. And so they just don't think about those folks, and they don't think about the the you know, where they are in the funnel and how the messaging changes throughout the funnel. And so they just don't have that really truly mapped out, and those are the red flags that we look for, and then take a step back and say it's time to map this out and put it in, because there's no way a sales and marketing organization can be optimized without it.
0: So, so when that when that works well, um, you you know, obviously you can sit at the end of the uh, end of the assembly line and go, oh yes, I'm getting more finished product out here. Right. um, When it works well. What is it what does it feel like uh for the folks involved like what is the what is the difference right I imagine at some level it's grinding gears uh, mm. or, or or trying harder as opposed to working smarter at some level but if you have a little bit of interest uh, a little bit of uh, insight there that'd be helpful
1: well if you're after you're asking after we put these things in place and and begin to optimize there's there's a sense of relief quite frankly because they have been grinding so hard uh, and then there's this sense of of uh excitement because now they things begin to work um and many of the tactics are not the wrong tactics they're just not landing properly on the target audience and so there's just this feeling of um you know relief of of excitement uh the sales team tends to like you know get excited because they're not grinding as hard um, and, and there, there's a, it's, it's more of a playbook and it's more like uh you know, an NBA fast break when it goes well, it's just this art. And when it doesn't go well and everybody trips over each other and you miss the layup it, it's, that's the difference. And people are very excited about the outcome.
0: So the, I imagine that the process that you go through to, to be that fractional CMO, you're going to run into resistance all the time, right? Uh, not just from uh, the process that you're going to take folks through, but Mm -hmm. organizationally, a lot of of companies will define themselves a certain way and letting Mm -hmm. go of that identity has got to be part of how you move that conversation forward. How do you work with those sort of unruly founders who have like, no, no, this is the way it's always been?
1: Yeah, we try not to actually. Uh, One of our core values is uh, value the expertise, trust the process and value the expertise. And as we look at Uh, talking to clients, uh, and they really don't seem to be bought in Uh, there. In in some cases, we won't uh, work with those folks. Uh, But, you know, when you take a step back and you have the right, you know, growth minded CEO or founder, the reality is, they just want to win, and so we don't get a lot of resistance typically, um, you know, from those types of things. Uh, we worked with a, a client; they were they had their business for ten years, and when we came in and said, you know, your customers don't think about you the same way you think about yourself, and and the way you communicate and after they the you know we showed them the data we talked to 800 of their customers and after you know the stunning you know the stunned silence uh you know they realized okay we have a great business and we have what the customer wants and we're growing but if you want to really put the gas on it we need to talk the way they talk and once we made the switch They're uh, up in new locations. They're a a brick and mortar business. uh, And their their locations uh, break even went from well over a year to a few months. And so, you know, any owner that wouldn't get excited about that and willing to give up a little bit of, you know, history for that kind of future, uh, you know, those are the types of people you want to work with.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I like that. I like that. People won't, you know, have to be willing to give up some of their history to buy the future that they're looking for. Yeah. That's a that's a a really interesting sentiment. I like it. Um so so during these uh these exchanges and as you kind of work through this growth conversation um what are the um are there stages are, are there indicators that somebody's maybe at a level 1 versus a level 2 like what are the uh, the kind of major moving pieces that have to be in place to to get
1: to that you know hockey stick level kind of growth Yeah well, we start with a marketing audit and so regardless of those customers that that's where we start and once you start Uh, doing internal interviews, you tend to find, uh, in many cases, a lack of alignment, whether that's between sales and marketing, the leadership and the, you know, sales and marketing team. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, you find that a lot. Then the buyer, you know, the buyer issues, and then you tend to find that, that, the people who are managing the tactics and managing the activity in many cases uh, don't have the expertise to to manage it efficiently um, and to make sure that it's being optimized. And so, you know, it's not really level one, two, three, but those are kind of some of the key benchmarks that occur you know, in an audit audit phase. Uh, and then once once they go through the the foundational planning and you begin to build the put the building blocks in place, uh, regardless of whether it's a good company like the example I talked about before or a company that's really struggling, everybody at that point becomes very much aligned on where we're going, how we're going to get there, who are the buyers, what do they want how do we offer what they want and and you know regardless at that point fully aligned regardless of where they started at that point everybody is is a much higher level than they used to be mm. All
0: right, so switching gears, I have a, a a a question that um I know it's a loaded question, so uh, you know, it's okay uh, if you're like, no, there's there's nothing. Um but um is there any tactic uh, that you've worked uh, across your client base that has worked for for nearly everyone?
1: Wow. Um, everybody is so different. Um. I would say you can never go wrong being found at Google. Um, you know, we have a client whose customers uh, get their information. They're in small markets. And so they get their client, their information from small market peers and state agencies and state uh, trade organizations. And their first uh, uh, cert, you know, first thing is not to go to Google, but the reality is once they hear about this client or this, you know, recommended, and they go search, you need to be found and you need to have a really good digital landscape that people trust and build your brand. So I would say you'd never go wrong with having a a very, you know, um, uh, good presence at Google, both, you know, high up in search that your brand's represented well, that you have good reviews and those types of things. I don't think there's any client ever that would have that that would be wrong for.
0: Mm. Mm. So uh, that's <laughs> that's interesting. I, I guess the um, uh, having that sort of online digital storefront is going to be key for for every business moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. But from a from an outbound approach, is there any? I mean, that's that's kind of inbound, or oh, I guess almost yeah, more sure. passive. Um, from an outbound pr- approach, is there anything on that side of the fence that's worked for for almost every one of your clients?
1: Well, you know, email uh is still uh, a very important part of the equation. Uh mm. I think people are misusing email, uh, whether they have, you know, they're they're not thinking about, you know, the customer at target enough, or they're thinking where they are in the funnel and they're just blasting out emails and blasting out emails and um, those types of things. And uh, you know, the email blast routine is is convenient uh and it'll work a little bit. Uh, but once you want to really segment it and and put a nice effort into that, I we don't have many clients that that would not help quite a bit, and mm. I, not many businesses over the years I've seen where email wouldn't help uh, if done right. Yeah, we're having uh,
0: we're having a lot of positive success with with that at podcast chef. The email kind of approach works works really well. But you're right, it's not uh, it's not a spray and pray model the way it <laughs> might have been back in the day. Uh, it is very much more a scalpel. Um, it absolutely is so um when when you're doing your your market analysis or your your uh that that audit in the beginning um a big part of that is understanding essentially who you're targeting at, mm-hmm. at that level at that level of specificity you have to get probably 10 times more specific than you think right and to your point from the very first you know your opening statement here in the in the podcast. Most people don't know their customer very well, so so what are the kind of questions that you're going to be using to differentiate like uh, the different markets that you're attacking when it comes to uh, those market segments? You're talking about you know you said they wanted them to be outrageously small, or much
1: smaller than mm-hmm. you might think. Um, right. How do you, how do you get to that level of granularity? but you have to talk to that many different customers to start so you need to identify either the customer or the influencer because there are, there's also especially you know the salespeople people run into these, these folks who could either positively influence a decision or detract from the decision right so they have to be part of this this map of who are your customers And and the triggers and those types of things. And so you need to map those out specifically. So they might be even industry specific where people in in, uh, the hospital customer might be very different than a construction customer that might be very different from a, uh, you know, from a manufacturing customer. And so you do need to You know, think about, you know, our industries impacting these uh, types of customers are are the different levels they are in the company and who you're talking to impacting those those folks, whether they're decision maker, influencer, you know, and the more you can dial that in and and get to the, you know, get the right content to the right person, you're going to have much better success. So
0: so how small of a niche is too small?
1: Uh, I mean, I've seen a company literally have a, a target list of about 30 to 40 customers um and that was their focus um and anyone outside of that group uh literally was not worth talking to i would bet it's probably closer to 100 if they really scoured the world but it's not very big and for them to do an account based marketing uh you know approach where you take these called 100 companies and you may have four or five people within the, those companies to to send different content to or have different conversations with you know it could be that small, um, on a, on an outbound side, you know, on an inbound side, if you're out on AdWords and those types of things are social and you're just trying to get to hundred people, it's pretty, that's pretty small. Uh, but from an outbound account-based marketing mm. nurturing type situation, I mean, you know, we've seen it that small and it, and it's, it works. That's awesome. It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh,
0: it's awkward because you know a lot of times the the business owners that you work with they're going to be like well no no we we'll, we'll work with anybody you know we'll take anybody right. with a pul- pulse and a check um and and the answer
1: is yeah but that's not the way marketing really works is it right Right. Yeah, it's absolutely right, and you know there there are also examples of companies. Uh, I'm working with a, a client who's, you know, he's got thousands or tens of thousands of companies in the U.S. that he could work with, uh, and so you know um those are almost sometimes hard, harder because uh to do outbound activity to 10,000 is really difficult or trying to execute you know a, a cost uh you know ROI positive uh, LinkedIn campaign paid linkedin campaign to that size of an audience is very difficult and but cuz it's uh it's, they're really big. And um, sometimes it's just easier to start small and and continue to grow on. But um, yeah, if AdWords and, and SEO and all these big, you know, massive media channels will work for you to drive traffic to your business, then, you know, absolutely do it. Uh, but the outbound approach, trying to do it in that broader range, uh, you know, tends to impact negatively impact the performance.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. All right, Jay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Before we get uh start wrapping up, I have a couple quick questions for you. Sure, uh, e- e- easy ones, I hope. Um, who should be reaching out to your CMO and, and you personally? Uh and, and
1: how can they get a hold of you? Uh sure. So uh my email is J A Y at yorcmo.com. And uh, you know, those those folks uh, who want to reach out to us, we typically work with Uh, Companies that are a few million dollars up to fifty or hundred million dollars who don't have marketing leaders on their team and just don't seem to be getting the performance uh, out of their uh, their marketing activities or even their sales activities and uh, you know just want to have a casual chat. We're always willing to visit with uh, companies and and folks on um, you know how we can help.
0: Awesome and uh, the the kind of last question and and one of the more fun ones as far as I'm concerned is you know, along your travels, starting the practice that you have, um, you've, you've probably learned, uh, a lot, uh, but what are the three biggest kind of takeaways from your journey so far?
1: Uh one, drink your own Kool-Aid. Uh, we we follow our process and, uh, you know, we challenge ourselves and, uh, you know, t- marketing uh, your own company as a group of marketers is an interesting challenge. So uh, that's, that's one is drink your own Kool-Aid, follow your process. Two is, uh, you know, always get outside in, uh, kind of um, a look into your business. It can't always hurt to have a fresh set of eyes. Uh, and then third is stay focused. Uh, you know, don't don't let a, a lot of distractions get in the way. Uh, once you have a plan in place, you know the more you can execute it flawlessly and continue to optimize it, the more likely you are to be successful. So
0: uh,
1: I want to add a, uh, ask
0: a question here based on that last one because that stay focused. Um, we're we're in an age of distraction. Uh, And we're also, we're also all susceptible to marketing as well. Right. So how do you, how do you avoid the shiny penny, penny kind of syndrome when it's the latest marketing channel blows up or the latest, this, or the latest that, how do you stay core?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing we do is we, you know, uh, take new ideas and we put them on a parking lot, Uh, you know, because if you keep adding them into the mix, you'll never execute what you're doing well, and then you'll say, "Oh, that didn't work." Well, was it the tactic or the execution? And so we would, you know, you know, TikTok's new, it's hot. You know, uh, uh, you know, the uh, shorts on YouTube are new and hot. Uh, but the reality is. Uh you can put them aside for 30 days and make sure that you're continuing to stay focused and, and execute flawlessly. And then the other thing is when you see all these new tactics, absolutely make sure are they truly uh you know speaking to your target audience uh when they want to be talked to. A lot of people are like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm put I'm doing TikTok videos for B2B sales. You know, and and yeah, the B two B customers on TikTok, but did they really come to TikTok to uh, to look at your stuff? Maybe, you know, maybe, but you know, they're also just there for downtime, and so you know, timing can affect uh, performance of the of the tactics, also.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Jay. Well, I want to thank you again for being on the show. Uh, yeah, thank you, Brian. Um And uh, definitely want to hear more. Well, maybe we'll circle back with you in a couple months and see if we can't uh, uh, pick up some new lessons from your
1: CMO.com. Love it. Sounds great. Thank you, Brian. Thanks. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F.com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you, yes, you, it's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet, or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, We will talk to you about that uh, for free we'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks.